Thanks. It's 7 minutes past 12. Indeed, midday live on SFM 104 to 107. The cabinet reshuffle yesterday. Let's reflect a bit on it. What do you make of it? Would you rather other ministers or more ministers were sacked, reshuffled? The name of Angie Mutsecha coming out quite strongly as the obvious choice for the chop. But some people are saying perhaps she should not be judged only by the Limpopo textbooks problems. She inherited a dysfunctional system in many provinces and she's doing her utmost best really to turn things around there. Politics, purging or service delivery? What's your take on that? Kosatu's General Secretary Zuelinzi Mavavi saying no one asked the President to explain himself on why he chose this and that individual to be Minister or Deputy Minister and uh, of course why now uh, does the President have to explain himself and also you had uh, Mac Maharaj there who speaks on behalf of the presidency saying uh, uh, the same thing then and uh, and do you agree with that particular stance by uh, Kosatu and uh, Kosati General Secretary and another story that we will be looking at South Africans are struggling to save and this is due to many factors including over indebtedness, uh, unemployment and financial illiteracy so uh, the month of July is a national savings month so we want to reflect on that particular story as well it's uh, 8 and a half minutes past 12 right here on Midday Live we go to the northwest. our top story this hour the conflict in the Tlokwe City Council over the mayorship position has been received with uh, mixed feelings by residents Poor service delivery has been one of the major concerns raised by the residents. The community told the ANC NEC deployee there in the northwest, Kuki Lenguinti, that they are confused at what is happening and are under the impression that the ANC is protecting corrupt individuals. Sisis Haro compiled this report for us. It is us who give them jobs. At the end, after getting the jobs, they are fighting amongst themselves. This is affecting us. We have so many needs. Work, even now, in our streets, there's always sewage blockades. Even if you stand in the corner, it is many. I'm saying the town is dirty. The grass is still standing. They don't make roads clean. And it does not work like that. Why do we pay rates and taxes if it just goes into some pockets and not invested in the town? These are residents in the Tloko City Council. The mayorship of the city is still under dispute as both the DA and the ANC claim the position. Last week, a council meeting elected Professor Annette Combrink of the DA as a mayor and issued the ruling party of the ANC is disputing. Meanwhile, the ANC says the IEC has been informed of the expulsion of the 14 councillors from the party. ANC spokesperson in the Northwest is Ishmael Mnisi. The moment you register with the IEC, uh, they immediately process the application. Certificate is just an official confirmation that um, officially those councillors have been removed as the ANC councillors. But uh, the minute you speak to them, you launch officially, they cease to become members. So as we speak now, they are no longer members of the African National Congress in Council. The IEC in the Northwest says they were informed in writing by the acting municipal manager in Klokwe regarding the availability of positions of councillors in the city council. Head of the IEC in Northwest is Dumelon Tiba. In this case of the 14 vacancies that were declared by the acting municipal manager in Klokwe, five of the vacancies will be filled by PR, proportional representative councillors, and nine of those will be filled through an I-election. 
And uh, that report was put together for us by uh, Sister Sikhalo. Let's uh, stay with uh, this uh, story and talk uh, to the ANC Provincial Secretary in the Northwest, Gordon Gihatilwe. Uh, Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Maybe let's uh, first reflect on what uh, you heard there, if you were on the line earlier on, when uh, residents really uh, made their pronouncements, made their feelings known and heard, uh, some going as far as that the impression that is created here is that the ANC is protecting uh, corruption. What do you make of that? Uh, the ANC is the first organization that brought the democracy for this country and freedom. We ushered freedom and we said, amongst others, we are not going to protect any individual, any leader who is corrupt, whether as a member of the ANC or not a member of the ANC. We have indicated to the DA and to the society in general that anybody who has evidence of corruption should approach the relevant state agencies. We must also indicate that we have taken a decision as the ANC that a matter regarding allegation of corruption by Mayor Mapetre must be investigated, and the Department of Local Government and Traditional Affairs in the province has been requested to ensure that it follows the relevant laws to investigate those allegations and come up with a report. And we won't stand, we won't stand to oppose any report that talks about corruption of okay. any person. Anybody who's found to be corrupt will have to face them all. I'm glad you're saying that uh, the, the allegations must be investigated, but uh, they should have been investigated a while back. I mean, this happened uh, uh, last year already. These issues were raised last year. The ANC promised to come back to the province on the 6th of February. Nothing has happened. We, 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 we are the ANC. We are not to investigate, as we said, there are state agencies that must investigate corruption. We know that the DA alleged to have also referred issues to other organizations, and, and we are free. We have never opposed any investigation on the allegations. That investigation is going to go on. We, we accept that there might have been a delay of some sort, and we are pushing mm. our government our government, ANC-led government, to ensure that these investigations happen. But, but, but uh, the mayor is your deployee there. Surely you, you should be the first to, to listen to what people are saying, uh, to what uh, evidence is there, and say, uh, Mr. Mayor, we have a problem here. Maybe step aside while we're busy investigating these, uh, these allegations, because they're quite serious. We, we have not received from any person even anyone who claimed to be the member of the ANC, a proof or evidence to say this is corruption that has happened and conducted by the mayor. And that is why we are then free to say maybe members of the community or those comrades will submit to the relevant agencies if they feel that the ANC does not assist them. But we have not received any evidence. Comrades have spoken to us about certain functions that took place at the municipality, but we said we are not there. We need to provide us with those documents so that we can work on them. But you see, because certain individuals wanted to do their own things, they refused to provide the ANC with information because mm. they wanted to continue to use that information to, 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 to engage in discipline 
uh, activity. And and like those they have done by by actually working with DA. And those certain members of the ANC. I, I guess you're referring to the 14 councillors that you've expelled now, uh, and they were obviously uh, they were they were put in that in those positions by by the members of the ANC on the ground because they were representing them. But yes. now the speaker turns to the courts to say uh, they are challenging this. Uh, help us understand. Why is that? Because it's it's cut and dry. I mean, your members decided they don't want the mayor anymore. Yes, look, my brother. The the council is convened by the speaker. The speaker is the chairperson of council, chairs the council meeting. Mm. Any council meeting must be convened by the speaker. And the speaker who is coming from the ANC, the deployee of the ANC, said to us, the ANC, I have not called a council meeting. I have issued letters, I have issued emails, I have issued SMSs to all councillors, not only ANC councillors, but all councillors, to inform them that there is no a meeting of council. Hmm. And now a certain group of, of, of councillors come together and elect a speaker and conduct their own council meeting. It is wrong. What those people were supposed to do, they were supposed to petition the speaker to to call that council meeting in accordance with the law. Because the law says councillors can petition the speaker. They did not do that. And the speaker then decided to go to court and say, I have not called this meeting. This was an illegal meeting. And I'm going to declare this meeting Illegal. All right. It's and a, it's we are a, it's saying a, as the organization we support the action of the speaker. It's a technicality. You, you do yes. It, it's a technicality, but also it's it's a process, uh, as as you are highlighting. Now things get reversed to say, okay, fine. Let's nullify this 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 meeting. Let's go back. Let's uh, re uh, uh, hire everyone. Uh, let let's start again. The fact of the matter is that your councillors that you had put there decided that they don't want the mayor. So really, it's got. Little to do with technicality. Uh, those those, those councillors, those councillors are wrong. Those councillors are ill-disciplined. We remember, we did not act on these councillors on the basis of the meeting of the second of July. These councillors on the second of July were invited to a disciplinary hearing for other things that they have done as members of the organisation. The organization called them to a hearing on the 2nd of July. They decide, some of them, not to come to a hearing, but they decide to attend an illegal meeting. Mm. And the ruling on, on, on their expulsion from the ANC was informed of things that they did before, not things of the 2nd. The thing of the 2nd actually is, is just a matter that is aggravating oh, on what they have done before. Matter of before, since, meaning uh, November of last year. Issues of November last year, and there are other issues where they have refused to take the mandate and to respect the organization. We have sent leaders to them. We have sent leaders to the caucus of that municipality. Okay. And comrades, those comrades decided not to take instruction from leadership and to take the instruction from, from, from the opposition. And we acted. The DC found them guilty and acted and expelled them from the organization. 
and we have removed them as councillors. They, they are no more councillors. I must confirm that what the IEC said has all happened already. There are no more councillors of the ANC, so, all 15 of them. So whether they go back to uh, the people who really elected them, which is people on the ground, and tell them that we've been expelled and uh, support us as, uh, as uh, independents, you, you wouldn't worry too much about that? The, the, the people of South Africa have not elected them. They have elected the ANC. Okay, but and individuals the ANC has put them in the party list. Remember, the ANC, we vote for a party. Okay. All right. People contest that even those who are what councillors, that is why we are able to remove them. They want through as what councillors representing the ANC under the banner of the ANC. We got you. And those PR councillors, the seats are ANC seats. I and see. the ANC as a party decided to put them there. And that is why we have removed them and put others who can obey and respect the organization. Gordon Gihatilwe is uh, the acting provincial secretary of the ANC in the Northwest. Thank you very much. At 20 past 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, the Constitutional Court has found that the Free State Head of Department of Education had no right to instruct principals to ignore school policies on pregnancy. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,253.70 an ounce, platinum at $1,369.75 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 3 cents against the US dollar, at 14 rand 96 to the pound, and at 12 rand 85 cents to the euro. The Institute of Municipal Finance Officers is inviting all people responsible for finance and governance in local government to attend the annual conference on the 30th September up until the 2nd October 2013 at the Durban ICC. This year's theme is Sustainable and Compliant Governance with a focus on how municipalities can improve on corporate governance, compliance and delivery of services. For more information, go to imfo.co.za and take the next step and join the leaders of municipal finance excellence. Remember, the annual conference on 30th September at the Durban ICC. This advert is brought to you by the platinum sponsors Standard Bank and PwC. The story centers on a recent widower and single father, Jim Grant, wanted for a bank robbery and murder, who hid from the FBI for over 30 years posing as an Albany attorney. You on your way to New York to turn yourself in? Yo, Rube, hands in the air! Grant must find his ex-lover Mimi, the one who can clear his name. Got him. You have a full green light. What are you willing to take a risk for? I don't think he's running away. I think he's trying to clear his name. The company and keep will be available in cinemas from the 18th of July, 2013. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. We go to Limpopo now where police there are saying they are investigating a case of murder after they found the decomposed body of a trade union Amkus shop steward. Lucas Mampoke is one of more than 1,000 dismissed workers at Extractor's Steelport Mine and was last seen at Burgersford. Mampoke went missing two weeks ago after a meeting by the mine workers. Police say the body was found at Hariba in the Sekukune area. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by Amkus Regional Secretary Zeb Mabili. Good afternoon to you, Zeb. Branch Secretary, thank you very much. Uh, if you can just uh, speak up a little bit, uh, uh, Mr. Mabel, we're struggling to hear you. But uh, uh, what, what, what are the police uh, telling you right now? The, the decomposed body has been found. Uh, what have you heard? Uh, 
Yeah, all we can say right now from the police side is that once the a community member found uh, the body that was identified to be that of Comrade Lucas, uh, police phoned us to also come and see what's going on there. We, we discovered that indeed the body was that of Comrade Lucas. Uh, at this point in time, the police, they, were, they had phoned us to let us know that the investigation is still continuing. Uh, they were basically trying to question the people that were last seen with, with Comrade Lucas on, on the Monday which he disappeared. Mm. Obviously the investigation is still ongoing, but uh, you had uh, uh, not ruled out uh, the suspicion of, uh, of abduction. Is, is, do you still believe in that? And uh, who, in your view, is behind this? Well, obviously, obviously, since the since the timing of the timing of the incident, uh, his abduction occurred during a strike when when the company dismissed uh, over thousand workers. Uh, we, we we have a feeling that the company is now re-employing people, and when they re-employ them, they they have a questionnaire that suggests which union people are going to belong to. So the, our feeling, therefore, is that, is that perhaps our competitor unions, uh, especially NEM, because the questionnaire has two unions, NAM or NEM, uh, in this area might, uh, might be behind it. However, we do not want to rule out criminal elements as well. But, uh, but uh, your, your, your suspicion really drives you towards suggesting that uh, NUM could be one of uh, the organizations behind uh, the, the killing of your, your shop steward. Well, it cannot. It cannot be. It cannot be at this stage that we we are pointing figures at at at, at Noom. Uh, what we we are simply saying is that since Noom sees the opportunity uh, of of uh, resurfacing, they they can also take the the advantage of the situation and perhaps send a message to 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 people in a form of intimidation. That is, uh, that is the view that uh, the branch maintains at this stage. All right, so uh, it, it's semantics, really. It, but what you're saying is that you suspect no. We, 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 cannot, we cannot really, like I indicated, we cannot point fingers at no. It is a suspicion because of the timing of the incident. Uh, previously, we have, seen, we have seen that there has been violence involving unions. In, in our case, there has not been a scenario where Noom confronts us or we confront uh, Noom. However, we, as much as we can rule out, we cannot rule out uh, criminal elements. We also cannot rule out the fact that there is a competition, and competition can do something about uh, an opportunity. Zeb Mabilu, thank you very much. Uh, he is the AMCO branch secretary in Limpopo at 26 past 12. The Constitutional Court has found that the Free State Head of uh, Department of Education had no right to instruct principals to ignore school policies on pregnancy. In 2008 and 2009, the school's governing bodies adopted pregnancy policies that provide for the automatic exclusion of pregnant learners from schools. Uh, for more on this now, we're joined in the studio by our education reporter, Angela Boloan. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Bruce. Help us understand this story. Just take us back a couple of years when it started. Well, it goes back to 2008 and 2009 when um, school government 
governing bodies of Welcome High School and Harmony High School um, adopted pregnancy policies. In that pregnancy policy that they adopted, they, you know, as you said, um, provided for the exclusion of pregnant learners. Mm. Uh, this then happened, what happened then was that the parents complained to the Department of Education and then the HOD instructed the schools to um, readmit the learners. So to side with the parents? Yes. All right. So the issue at hand here was whether the HOD uh, overstepped the mark. And what happened was, um, I mean, it went to the Free State High Court before it got to the Constitutional Court. And um, there had been interdicts that were granted, you know, against the HOD. Mm. So what happened today in court was that, indeed, Justice Hampepe confirmed that the HOD did not have the right to instruct principals to, con- to contravene the policies. Okay, so in other words, it means that uh, the HOD erred in his judgment and in, in his uh, pronouncement that uh, th- this should be reversed. So it's a, it's, a, it's a victory for the school governing bodies. Yes, it is a victory for the school governing bodies. Indeed, uh, we spoke to school governing bodies and what they said was that they were elated about it. You will remember also, Bongi, there's another case um, at issue here at the Constitutional Court about the Rivonia issue. You'll remember at Rivonia, um, mm. the principal sort of defied the HOD who instructed her to admit one learner. And what happened was that um, she went through a disciplinary hearing for insubordination. So uh, what the school governing bodies are saying is that this this judgment today might have an impact on that judgment. As Governing Body Association, we are extremely grateful for this judgment. It confirms the principle of legality. In other words, an official uh, or any official in service of the Department of Education can only do that which the laws allow them to do. In other words, the HOD cannot simply give an instruction to a school principal if there is, if there is no legal authority to do so. So this judgment confirmed the principle of legality. And, and who, who's this? This is um, Yaku Deacon. This is um, Deputy CEO of the Federation of, of School Association. Uh, so where to from here? So what happens now? Well, this is the final arbitration, really. Well, the the judge did say um, that uh, while the HOD is not entitled to give instructions to the principal, um, the policy itself looked like it was uh, infringing upon the constitutional rights of pregnant learners and, you know, their human dignity and their freedom um, to receive a basic education. So what she said was also that uh, school governing bodies must review their their pregnancy policy. But uh, the, the pregnant learners remain excluded. The pregnant learners, I haven't really found out about it, but uh, to my understanding, they did go through school. Okay, but uh, the, the, this judgment then, I think we need to study it some more. But thank you very much, uh, Angela Bolowan, uh, our educational reporter, really for highlighting that the Constitutional Court, finding that uh, the Free State Head of Department of Education had no right to instruct principals to ignore school policies. On pregnancy, really, this has a, a potential really to set a serious precedent. So we, we really need to to look at it quite quite closely. Twelve thirty now. We say good afternoon once again to Utsila Sako with the news headlines. Thanks, Spongi. In the headlines, ESCOM has assured South Africans that they will not experience the 2008 load shedding as a result of the challenges at the Midupi power plant. The Constitutional Court has upheld the decision of the Supreme Court of Appeal but instructed the two free state schools to review their policies on pregnancy as they seemed unconstitutional. The soft state rejected the free state education department's appeal against an interdict to stop the head of department from interfering in school policies. 
and Rural Development and Land Reform Minister Kugilam Quinti says almost 8.5 million hectares of state land is still unaccounted for in the country. Details at one. See you then. Thank you very much. Nancy Richards, it's Wednesday today. What's coming up between 1 and 2? Well, it is indeed Wednesday, and usually, as you know, we have a help desk on this day, and we were to have been talking about hormones and headaches, but our guest has just phoned to tell us that he can't make it. He's in surgery and he's not going to be able to make it. So instead, we've got a wonderful story for you. Well, I think it's a wonderful story. It's an African story of the mother city. Um, just this morning, I went to uh, the District 6 Homecoming Centre where they have this uh, an exhibition on display. It's, uh, it's actually a commemoration of the 30th anniversary of the 1982 Younger Squatter Fast at St. George's Cathedral in Cape Town. It's, it's a heck of a story that if we've forgotten it, it's about time we remembered it, and I think it impacts on us all. So we're going to be listening to the young lady who's telling the story, and, uh, and we'll be taking callers after that. So it's the African story of the mother city coming up on Otherwise, right after the news at one. Thanks, Bongi. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's at 28 and a half minutes to one right here on Midday Live. We go to Cape Town now where Trade Union Federation Kosatu in the Western Cape is currently addressing members of the media on progress made in wage negotiations and their planned strike action. The Federation claims that workers' rights in the Western Cape are under attack by the Cape Chamber of Commerce and Industry and the Democratic Alliance. So we were hoping to talk to the Western Cape Provincial Secretary there, Tony Ehrenrach, about their particular take and why they're saying that workers' rights in the Western Cape are under attack, particularly uh, by the Cape Chamber of uh, Commerce and Industry and, of course, the Democratic Alliance. The country has had a bad year when it comes to initiation schools, with many young men dying in their passage to manhood. However, there is a success story just outside Pretoria. Some 68 initiates will graduate today. Each of the young men will be collected by their parents. Maluti Obusen compiled this report for us. The sound of jubilation, dance and song all round, following the successful completion of their right to adulthood. This is one of few success stories. And graduates are happy that they've made it. The parents are equally happy about their son's achievements. These mothers say it is hard to contain their excitement. I feel extremely happy because my son has made it. I just bless the Lord on everything that has happened because I've been praying for him very hard. The Amandebele chief, Inkosi Simon Masangu, says the secret to success is proper planning. From January, we prepare them properly and we see to it that they don't eat everything that they come up not engage with girls. Matangu further said the government intervention will be valuable. Our problem is only one that we need. We, ask, we are asking the government. The government should consider us as uh, traditional leaders because they are using the bushes. Every time when you see the bush or you see people, you always see shacks wherever there were bushes. We don't have space anymore where we can practice our tradition. They went away as boys and now they have returned home as mature men. 
That report by Malodi Obuseng. Let's go back now to the Western Cape where Kosatu there has uh, briefed addressed the media uh, on uh, progress made in wage negotiations and their planned strike action. The Federation claims that workers' rights in the Western Cape are under attack by the Cape Chamber of Commerce and Industry and the Democratic Alliance. Let's talk now to Kosatu's Western Cape Provincial Secretary, Tony Ehrenrach. Sir, why are you saying that uh, uh, workers' rights are really under attack by uh, the two organizations that you've highlighted? Well, firstly, the past president of the Chamber of Commerce has big adverts in Cape Town on the freeways calling for less labor laws. Now, clearly, this is part of the architecture that we're supposed to engage upon, but you're having the champions of the business sector not coming to talk around their views in NEDLAC and the other institutions where we engage on the changes to labor laws but just wanting to have legislation for workers removed as a whole. This is problematic for workers, and if this attitude is brought into the negotiations at company levels by the leaders of business in the Western Cape, we foresee more protracted and ongoing strikes in the Western Cape. So, sorry, I missed the, the, the content of the, of the adverts. What, 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 what does it say? It says uh, if you want more jobs, you need less labor laws. Oh, I see. Okay. And, and secondly? So, well, secondly, we have a problem with the provincial government. We have a social crisis blowing up in the Western Cape. People in the townships are being killed on a daily basis. And in spite of these atrocious attacks on people, the provincial government's doing nothing about it. We believe that around these areas of social policy, where the provincial government has a responsibility, it must call together the society and try and develop plans that can assist those communities who are under siege by the gangs and the gang wars that are unfolding in the Western Cape. But the provincial government refuses to talk to labor in the Western Cape and refuses to engage with the communities in good faith. And that is going to lead to further protest and strike action as a way to get the provincial government to take these matters seriously, given the fact that they're not wanting to engage. Hmm. We are cautioning them and asking national government to assist to get negotiations going. Because the only way we can address the problems of the killings in the townships and the gangs and drugs is through partnerships with communities. It's not just a policing issue. It's an issue about how do we respond as a society in the Western Cape to these challenges that we face. Whilst you're cautioning the, the DA in the Western Cape and uh, uh, in, in Cape Town, are you also, on the other hand, cooking up uh, some kind of a program of action insofar as strikes are concerned? Just talk us through those. Well, given the extent of the crisis with the killings in the communities, we can no longer be quiet as Kusato because our members and their families are under siege every day. That's why at the start of August, the Kusato is going to go on strike in the Western Cape if the provincial government doesn't respond to this call for an urgent engagement because every day lost is a day that further deaths occur in the communities as a result of the inability of the government to deal with these gangsters and and drug difficulties. Mm. All right, and uh, and uh, today really you, you, you also touched on uh, the, the progress made in, in wage negotiations. Uh, w- which sectors did you touch on and uh, what was uh, the kind of progress that you alluded to? What we've seen today in the report from all of the unions is that there are going to be strikes in most of the sectors, starting with the strike in SAA 
tomorrow at 4 o'clock if there's not a solution found. So clearly we're not getting closer to agreements in the negotiations. We've cautioned the business sector because the business sector is depending on advice given from an economist from Adcorp, loan shops. Loan shops claims is that productivity in South Africa from 1993 to now has declined by 40%. Clearly, the Reserve Bank and other economies says that the productivity levels have been rising by 70% since 1994. Now, many employers and bosses are coming to the negotiations with the advice from loan shops. Where the employers come with that attitude and the misinformation from loan shops, we will immediately declare disputes and go on strike against those companies and against those industries. If we can't even show the consideration for workers by appreciating the reality of the South African economy and using that as the basis for engaging in good faith negotiations, then clearly the prospects of finding solutions in the discussions are severely reduced. And we'd urge national government to intervene and ensure that both business and labor has the basis, an accurate basis for negotiations that reflects the economic realities of South Africa not okay. some voodoo economics of uh, the business, the economist loan shop. Tony Erenrach is uh, the uh, Western Cape Provincial Secretary of COSATU. Thank you very much. Uh, coming up uh, shortly, oh, well, man, let me go through just one or two SMSs quickly. In fact, a tweet or two tweets coming through at Kualabi News at SFM Midday Live. As Lindy Lesitole saying that uh, uh, people of Kogwe have spoken. What uh, you are witnessing now is a political hostage by a Liberation Party with a sense of entitlement. And uh, this one coming through from uh, at Spiwo, that's Spiwo KZN, saying that the ANC has been caught with pens down and it now manipulates the book to save itself from embarrassment on the issue of uh, Tlokwe and just on that particular issue coming through from Peter and Peter Maritzberg saying that Tlokwe interesting confirmation that the ANC does not believe in democracy just some of the SMSs and tweets right here on uh, Midday Live South Africans are struggling to save and this is due to many factors including over indebtedness, unemployment and financial illiteracy the month of July is National Savings Month This is a drive to encourage citizens to take charge of their finances. Teach Children to Save South Africa is a response to that. The program has been integrated into the school curriculum and successfully implemented uh, for five years now by the Banking Association of South Africa and the South African Saving Institute. It is being launched in Pumalanga later this month. Figile Kutlase is Senior General Manager of Socio-Economic Growth and Development at the Banking Association of South Africa. I asked her what the program is all about. Catching them early is uh, best symbolized by the motto of the program, which is Ligotra Lisemanzi, which means uh, best shape a stick while still moist. Because the campaign is a generic financial literacy program where we have volunteer bankers and financial sector professionals that go into schools countrywide and become, they become teachers for 67 minutes. And these uh, 67 minutes because we've aligned with Mandela Day. And this is really to inculcate a culture of saving in children. So the bankers and financial sector professionals go in to inspire learners to be lifelong savers. This sounds like a long shot. Yes, it's a noble idea. But today, right now, South Africans are not big savers. So what are you doing about that immediately? Yes, um, uh, we acknowledge that why we do this program is because it is estimated that 67% of adult South Africans do not save. 
So why we are doing this program is because we don't want another lost generation. And when you look at our population, 60% of our population is youth. We really don't want to have them as uh, not saving as the current generation. So we believe that you need to inculcate the culture of saving at an early age so that they grow up with the habit of saving. But how serious is this challenge of not saving in South Africa? The challenge of not saving is a very serious one for South Africa. We also have high indebtedness in South Africa, where it is estimated that about 47% of our 19.6 million credit active consumers have impaired records. Uh, we also are a society that's characterized by instant gratification. So what the program does is really to to encourage learners to defer gratification, that's delayed gratification. But it's difficult to, to save these days. I mean, when everything is uh, shooting through the roof, when really you, do, you have little to save. What we say, Bongi, is that... Um, It's not just about the money. It is saving beyond the money. It is saving resources. So you save water, you save electricity. So the program is really not just about uh, financial literacy on its own. It's also about social and financial education. We also understand that there's high unemployment in the country. There's also uh, a, a very poor communities. But what we believe is that um, the only constant in life is change. And we believe that um, as much as we appreciate that there are some that will not have much uh, to put aside, but one day when they do come to have the opportunity to interact and have a, a relationship with money, they, they have been empowered, guided as to how to, to, to manage your finances responsibly. So are these the packages then that you are taking to uh, the young people in schools? Uh, the, the, the Teach Children to Save South Africa program is part of the, in, uh, the economic management science learning area of the school curriculum. So um, what uh, the economic management science learning area comprises of uh, 40% financial literacy, 30% the economy, and another 30% entrepreneurship. So the lesson plans have a range of uh, activities uh, that uh, there's role-playing that is done there, and we have an interactive website for, for the program as well where the kids can, you can go in and uh, get more uh, tips on how to save. But beyond just um, targeting the kids, the kids are our primary target uh, group, but we have a secondary target group, which are the parents, it's the volunteers themselves, and then it's also the teachers. And so we have, uh, we have a toolkit for, for all the four target groups. And that was Figile uh, Kuslasa, Senior General Manager, Socio-Economic Growth and Development at the Banking Association of South Africa. With that, we give you your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution. One service provider. Telcom Business. 
Mpomore of Sassin Securities, good afternoon. How has the worse than expected Chinese trade data affected trading this morning? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Our market is trading lower as uh, investors are cautious ahead of the speech by Federal Reserve Chairman Mr. Ben Bernanke and the release of the minutes from the latest Fed meeting for an idea about the, the future of the stimulus package. Markets are also softer in Europe where the foot is down 0.3%. Dex down 0.27% and the CAC 40 is 0.4% lower. Back to the JC, we've got the gold index down three quarters of a percent. Resource index down 0.8%. Industrial index down 0.6%. Financial index down 2.3%. The overall market is down 293 points or three quarters of a percent to 39,477 points. No corporate news today, straight to the market movers. Who's up, who's down? Uh, on the upside, we've got uh, ELB Group up 6.6% to 31.99. Sun International up uh, 3.5% to 98 rands. Data Tech up 1.8% to 56.80. Northern Platinum up 1.5% to 34.33. MediClinic also up 1.5% to 68.08. On the downside, we've got Fast Rand down 3.25% to 27.86. R&B Holdings down 2.7% Barlow World down 2.4% to 81 rands and 46 cents. Aspen down 2.25% to 234 rands and 96 cents. And lastly, Oceana down 1.1% to 91 rands and 30 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted $1,252.80 an ounce. Platinum $1,375.55 a fine ounce. Brand crude $106.20 per barrel. The Garmin R157 is trading at a yield of zero, oh, sorry, at a yield of fair 6.02%. And now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 10 rands and 2 cents. The rent to the pound is at 14 rands and 92 cents. And lastly, the rent to the euro is at 12 rands and 85 cents. Back to you, Bongi. Thank you very much to you, Paul More of Sassfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please can you order me a midday blood sugar leveling gastronomic experience? Lunch, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. I'll be reading your SMSs shortly, a lot of SMSs on the cabinet reshuffle, but also on the savings store. I see just one here uh, saying that uh, I will save if I have uh, the money to save. People with money always tell others to budget if you cannot budget, if you are str- or rather you cannot budget if you are struggling to make ends meet. That's Paul there. And Sianda Nkwateguza also has an opinion about that and many others.
The World Health Organization says depression will be the second biggest cause of a disability in the world by 2020 and half of mental disorders begin before the age 14. According to a recent mental health poverty study, mental illnesses are the third highest uh, contributors to the burden of disease in South Africa, but only 4% of the annual health budget is allocated towards mental health services. July is a psychiatric disability awareness month and mental health non profit organization Cape Mental Health is leading a march to the Cape Town CBD in a campaign for better resources to be allocated to public mental health services. Let's speak now to the Deputy Director at Cape Mental Health, that's Khadija Kwopman. Good afternoon to you, Khadija. How are you? I'm fine. Obviously, you're not happy with only 4% allocated to, to deal with uh, the burden of uh, mental illness. Um, you, you're absolutely right, because the impact that that has on people with a mental illness and people with a psychiatric disability who require those services has a dire impact on their lives. Um, people become ill and they are admitted to hospital. They often don't get a bed to go to. They often have to sleep in a chair or on the floor. And that is why we're saying really we need to have more money allocated towards mental health services. And as you rightfully said, mental, health, mental illness is the third highest burden of disease. Yet if you look at the health budget, it doesn't get the third highest allocation of that budget. So how are you making a government uh, listen to you and uh, even increase the allocation? Um, you know, it's not as if government is not aware. Um, various studies, and as you've alluded to, the poverty study and various um, presentations have been made to, 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 to Parliament, both at the national and the provincial level, to portfolio committees around the, um, the challenges and the lack of funding for mental health services. So government is really fully aware of what the, of, of what the position is. Um, and I think the awareness that we're doing today is to make the public aware of what people are, are experiencing and, and also for gov- often government responds to a situation where they are embarrassed and I think the embarrassment is that government is not providing adequately for people with, um, with, with mental disabilities. But as South Africans, do we know enough about uh, mental uh, challenges? No, I think not, because there is still quite a lot of stigma attached to mental illness, um, with the terminology that is often used. So one of the other um, aspects that I think we, we are um, required to do as civil society and as government is to, to make the public aware um, about mental illness and about mental health so that we can reduce the stigma and that people in communities, because people with a mental illness, even if they live with their families, they're often isolated because of the stigma and because people fear people with a mental illness. But where do people go? I mean, you hear of all sorts of stories, taboos, stigma, really, as you say. Uh, for instance, uh, people tied to a chair, tree for very many years because they have a, a mental uh, disorder. Most mental disorders can be adequately uh, managed with the proper medication and with support um, from families and with support from communities. Um, and I think that is the stigma that I'm, that I'm talking about. When we talk about somebody with a mental illness, there's often the image of it is somebody who is going to grab a machete and drive 
run down the road and, and kill people, and that's not what it's about. Um, and so if we provide the ad- adequate support, we people can stay healthy. One of the things that we need to look at is that if people don't remain healthy and they have to be admitted to a psychiatric hospital, what is the cost of that per day um, on, on, on the health budget? Whereas if we provide much less expensive support in the communities for people, people will stay well and they will not be um, readmitted to hospital. And uh, in Cape Town today, what's happening? In Cape Town today, um, our service users, people with a mental illness who have, who have not been able to access the services, they have two hospital beds out um, in St. George's Mall, and they're standing with their placards and posters indicating in one placard I'm reading right now is, I waited for hours and still did not get um, get, get the proper medication. Um, somebody saying no beds, no meds help. And the people who are standing with these placards are people who, who actually experience um, the, the, the lack of, of, of services. All right, uh, thank you very much uh, to Khadija Kopman. Uh, she is the Deputy Director at uh, Cape Town Mental, make it Cape Mental Health. Uh, it's exactly five minutes uh, to one. We'll be going to create shortly, but uh, two SMSs, culture of uh, tenderpreneurs, show off and uh, bling lifestyle, even children. Number one, we're not assisting culture of saving, but good initiative, Sianda in Kotoguza. And this one, my gosh, what's the for people to save under capitalist mayhem. That's Joe in Peter Moritzberg. Eskom says there will be no load shedding in the country, but it's already underway here at Eshowe. That's a do there. And this one says Aaron Rech is lying. I support ANC, but do not support him and uh, the harm he is doing in uh, the Western Cape. And uh, this one says uh, such a scary success story for those boys who went to initiation school and made it back home alive. It's a nightmare what they go through. That's Tay in Kozul Natal.